Hello and welcome to the Right Fight Podcast, a conversation about how to live a loving life. I'm your host, Reg Lloyd, and we're having a conversation with Kenny Vaughn. Kenny, on the last podcast, we talked about the importance of fundamentals, mainly talking about the fundamentals of skiing. The book's not about skiing, it's about love. So how do you relate the fundamentals of skiing? What did you learn about the fundamentals of skiing and relate that to the fundamentals of love? So two things were going on at the same time, all right? And so, and, and I want to, I think it's important to add that you could be the best skier in the world, the best athlete in the world, but if you're not sound on spiritually or if, if, if fear is playing a role in your life or leading your life, it, it didn't matter how, how prepared you are physically, you're going to come undone, undone, especially you're most likely to come undone at the point at which it matters the most. Mm-hmm. So, and, th- and that was the case in my life. So I learned from Jay how to rebuild a solid foundation of how to ski, that I, that I was trying to build something big on top of a broken foundation, and it would never work. Once I realized the difference that made, I, w- I looked at everything differently. And so one thing Jay could not teach me, and no coach I ever worked with could teach me, was how to overcome my fear. For the most part, their approach, was, they really saw me as fearless because I, I kind of crashed the most, but I kept going. You know, I had the longest stints in the hospital. I had the most surgeries, you know, unfortunately I had all that bad stuff. Because they kind of saw me as fearless, but the truth was I was really, I was led by fear. And the solution that they all had to fear was just um, get better, uh, you know, be stronger. Hey, play this music, you know, this loud music in your ears to pump yourself up. And it would pump me up, um, you know, get stronger, work harder. All of those things made me a better skier but they made they had no impact at all on how afraid I was. So, so what what were you fearful of? I was afraid of failing. Yeah, I I, I, I mean, of course, I, I would say all skate all ski jumpers are afraid to to get hurt, right? I mean, I'm a, pretty much every tournament somebody gets hauled off, you know. So you know we we don't want that, but you know I, I'd rather get hauled off in a van with some flashing lights than I would um, to finish last or. Worse than that, to to not win and know it was because I was afraid, you know, know that I, I really wasn't good for my potential, and it was easier to perform well whenever there wasn't so much on the line. So in average tournaments, I wasn't that afraid, because mm-hmm. you know I kind of had it, and it wasn't going to be that hard. But whenever it was my dream, which in my case, my dream was to win this national championship. When I got to the point at which, okay, it's my turn, you got three jumps, in five minutes this is going to be over, you're going to do it or you're not going to do it, everything was on the line, I had to go further than I'd ever go, gone in my life, whatever it was, then the fear of failing would be so pervasive that I really was only good for a portion of my potential. I was terribly distracted. And, and so everything, you know, the lo- the, I mean, I love myself, I pumped myself up, I worked harder, I trained harder, I trained like, you know, a madman, you know, I was stronger than I needed to be. All of those things I did to overcome fear, and they didn't even help me be less fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how leg- strong your legs are, doesn't matter how good a skier you are, none of that matters whenever it's going to take all that you have or a little more, and you're not sure if you can deliver it or not. And, and, and whenever... It's all or nothing. Like, I either win and my dream comes true or I fell again. And so no one could help me 
deal with that. I go back to a, a nationals the year before I won. I'm waiting my turn to ski. Um, I'm in a pretty good position. I'm fairly highly seated. I just took my headphones off. I'm listening to all the loud music. You know, I'm all pumped up like every athlete you see. I look fearless, mm -hmm. but on the inside, I'm scared. Tammy comes over to wish me well right before it's my turn. She walks up to me, and then her face drops. Cause I'm never sure not telling my girlfriend I'm afraid. Her face drops, and she says, what's wrong? And, man, when she said that, I was already afraid, and I knew what was wrong, but then I'm like, she can see it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to pretend that I'm not even convinced myself that I'm not afraid. Like, I'm willing to die out here, mm -hmm. but, but I'm terrified. And so when she saw that, you know, she just wished me well. I jumped up and down, screamed and hollered in my head, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill everybody. I'm going to win. I'm the best in the world. You know, all that stuff. And then I go out, and, man, I had, I had taken 600 jumps that year. I didn't crash one time, and I crashed two out of three jumps, and for only one reason. Wow. I was just, it, it was eating my lunch, you know, and, and I didn't know what to do. So I came back, came back the next season, and Tammy starts writing scriptures on my equipment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And that was my first exposure, really, to God's Word, and that was very encouraging to me, but... Um, I wanted that. I desired that. It was on my gear, so it was in my hands every time I trained, and I focused on that. But I did it over and over and over and over and over again, and it really wasn't making me less fearful, mm -hmm. as crazy as that sounds, right? So it, it, it gave me some sense of comfort, but whenever it was go time, I was still afraid. And then, I man, I was coming home from a training session probably two weeks before the Nationals, I had spent that whole summer training like Jay had taught me and all that. Now I'm jumping like I'm putting it all together now, and now I'm like flying, you know. And further than I'd ever gone, my coach is jacked. He like he can't wait for me to go to nationals. And I'm driving home by myself. Man, I don't want to go back. Like I literally – I don't want to go back so much that I want to tell my coach I'm not going. Mm. But I can't tell him, and I sure can't tell Tammy. You know, she's been standing by me the whole time. And I'm just like, I don't, I really don't know what to do. And I just start praying and I'm like, Lord, you know, I've, I've, I've quoted these scriptures all summer long. You know, I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm clueless. I don't know what else to do. And it was like, I don't know. I don't know if you say the Lord spoke to me. I didn't hear any voices, but in my heart, what I heard was, was simply this, that, that you keep asking and begging and praying for what you already have. And that if you believe that you've received, you don't have to keep asking. Like every time I would go out, man, I'm like, I can do all things through Christ. Like when I should be focused on what I'm doing, mm -hmm. I'm quoting scriptures. <laughs> you know, and, and so I don't need to be quoting scriptures right now. I need to be doing it. And so and so it was, what, what, I, what I got from it was that I needed to quit asking and start thinking. And my prayers changed from, from asking for power, love, and sound mind, too. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God has not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. Now, with that power, with that love, with that sound mind, Lord, I'm going to do the best that I can for you, that your will can be done. Right. And so something happened whenever, whenever I changed that way of thinking. So the last couple of weeks leading up to that nationals, um, the fear started losing its grip. So I would say it like this. 
what looking back, I didn't see any of this at the time, but what I had been doing all summer long was fighting fear. And fighting the fear was leading to more fear. And what I, what I learned right there was to quit fighting the fear and instead to fight for the truth, which was God's word, that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He hadn't given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And that, that, that I would do that when or not. And then when I started fighting for the truth, fear started losing its grip in my life. And I started becoming more bold as I led up to that nationals. And so, so from that, you know, I get back to the nationals and it's my turn to ski and, and I'm waiting and all that fear is coming back again. And I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, you know, but from there, I get to this place where it's more than I can bear. I'm doing everything I've, I've taught myself, and I get to a place where I got to say, you know what, I just can't deal with it anymore. And I decide, never mind the gold medal, Lord. I just want to do the best I can for you. And in that, I had a higher calling with no chance of failing. And when all that came together, I, when I was finally sound fundamentally as a skier, and then sound fundamentally, spiritually, and mentally, then I was able, for the first time in my life, and really in the worst circumstance that I'd ever been in, to deliver everything that I had to offer, to attempt to seize the opportunity. And it turned out to be more than enough. And so, so all of that, you know, your question was, hey, how does this lead to love? That's whenever I start going, I'm in God's Word now. I'm in Scripture this is new to me, like skiing was new to me at one time. But I've gone through this whole thing with skiing and realized I built on a broken foundation. So now I'm reading scripture and I'm going, what's the one thing that if I get it right, takes care of everything, I get it wrong, it's not going to work. And I'm seeing Jesus saying, you can do all these things. You can cast out devils. You can have the faith to move mountains. You can prophesy. You can heal the sick. But if you have not love, you gain nothing. And it just reminds me of Jay. Like in my mind, I'm going... Yeah, okay, is that the one thing? Yeah. And then and then the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbors yourself. In this, all the commandments, all the laws are fulfilled, yeah. right? So then I'm going, what would Jay, you know, what, what would a great coach say if that's the fundamental thing, what he's going to want me to do? Like if this is the fundamental thing, if this is the one thing, what is it? So we got to go down, not up. Right. we gotta, we got to understand what is this. Yeah. And so – in God's word, it seemed to me that was love. And that's where I had to go, okay, what is love? And the moment I asked myself that question, I knew I didn't know. Mm. And so it was like, this is what I got to learn. This is what I got to master. Now, I thought I was going to learn that in a couple of weeks, you know, and then I would move on. Yeah. And 15 years later, I'm still learning. Yeah, you write in your book, before we can master anything, we must understand what it is, how it works, and what, if any, control we have in making sure we do our part. I had always seen love as beyond my control, but now I was starting to see that perhaps it was actually within my control. Feeling loved was not within my control. Being loved was not within my control, but loving was totally within my control. I was also realizing that love didn't rule my life when I felt it or when someone else loved me. Love ruled my life when I loved. And then you said, after asking what love was, I wondered, what is love's greatest enemy? What makes it hardest for me to love? And you said, the answer was fear. Yeah. Because love, 
what I, what I was coming to realize was that me loving meant me putting myself last, not first. So, so, so I, loving is doing what is truly best for someone else without regard for myself, I believe. And so, so in some cases, that might actually mean risking our life to help someone. Most of the time, it's in very simple things. You know, uh, uh, instead of hurrying up and getting mine, stepping back and making sure you get yours. So, but in every situation, every, every single decision I think we ever make is either rooted in love or fear, meaning that I'm either, I'm either going to do what I believe is best for me and to some extent without regard for you, or I'm going to do what I believe is best for you without regard for me. And if, if I'm going to love you, not me, it may, may and probably will cost me something. And I'm afraid of what it's going to cost me. So I'm afraid I'm, afraid I'm going to get hurt. I'm afraid I'm going to love and I'm not going to be loved. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to love and I'm not going to be respected. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to love and I'm going to be taken advantage of. I'm afraid, afraid that I'm going to let you go first and I'm not going to get any. Uh, so, so what happened, in, at least in my life, is I start fighting to be loved. I start fighting for mine, and, I, and I'm failing to love. And so fear leads me to put myself first. I, very simply stated, I, I often say it like this. Fear does what's best for itself without regard for others. Love does what is best for others without regard for itself. And... And so, and so love is not a feeling. You mentioned there, there's like when you read that, I was like, I need to stop every other sentence because there's so much mm-hmm. in what you just said right there. But, um, but I understand when people go, okay, you say love's not a feeling, but I don't control the feeling of love in my life. And that's 100% true. Okay. So when I was in a class one time with my wife and they said, pre-marriage class, and they said, hey, love's not a feeling, it's a choice. And I thought that sounds good, but the more I thought about it, like, that's crazy. I'm sitting next to her on the love seat. And I'm like, you know, um, I have no control over what I feel for her. Like, none. I didn't drum this up. I didn't make this up. I didn't, I didn't choose to feel this. And so I really wrote it off as foolishness at the time. But what I, what I failed to realize was that I didn't, though I didn't control the feeling of love I, I had for her, it was not for no reason. Say that again. So though I didn't control the feeling of love I had for her, mm-hmm. it was not for no reason. So there were choices being made that were resulting in, in the feeling. feeling of love I had for her. Okay. So we think we fall in love or we fall out of love. But the truth is we love or we don't love, both of us. And then the fruit of love, which is the feeling of love, kind of shows up and goes away and, and it follows, you know what I mean? It doesn't happen immediately, you know? So, so that's when we think, we think, oh, we fell out of love. Well, you might, the feeling of love might have fallen out of your life, but not for no reason. Y'all quit loving each other or somebody quit loving the other one. Many times the feeling of love I have for someone means they're loving me. Right. That's, that's something we will need to unpack because I remember the first time you said that to me, that's probably out of everything in this book that intrigued me the most. One of, one of the things that got my attention is you said, you said something like, um, if you want to know if I love Tammy, you need to ask Tammy. Right. That's exactly right. So, and people, <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, so like, right. So most of my life people say, hey, do you love Tammy? And, and I say, I love her with all my heart. 
and and I meant it. But what I didn't understand what I was saying was uh, is that the feeling of love I have for Tammy, the lover with all my heart, is the feeling. And it's the feeling it's not of the how action. she loves you. The feeling is there because she's loving me, right? right. Yeah, so that's what why I say doing. if you need to know if I love Tammy, you need to ask her, meaning does she feel loved? Now, you know, we can love people that won't feel loved by our love. They may even feel judgment. Or, or different, there's different things can go on there. But, but, but if you want to know if I love Tammy, you need to see: Am I being patient? This is me loving Tammy, being patient, being kind, being truthful, protecting her, hoping, persevering. That's me loving Tammy. Yeah. Tammy loving me is the same thing. And then if we're both doing that, more often than not, none of us get it right all the time. We're repenting when we blow it, and we're getting back to that. Then we have the feeling of love in our relationship, but we, we hurt each other all the time. Yeah. And it's not hard to at some point just get to this place where you're like, you know what, from here forward, it's me first. Mm-hmm. At that point, I quit loving her. Mm. I'm really loving myself yeah. and expecting her to love me, and this feeling of love starts drying up and dying. Love, something we all think we have mm-hmm. figured out, but uh, as we're diving in, I think we're being challenged some of the, uh, by, by what we've always accepted, what the definition of love is. And in the next podcast, I believe, like it'll go into chapter three, where one of the big points, mantras of your book is that love's not a feeling, but it is a choice. And I look forward to digging into that as well as the fruit and the roots of love and the tree analogy and all those good things. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we say goodbye? No, the tree, man. Come back for that, right? Because that I did that for kids on a chalkboard. Turns lights on. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like you know, I, mean? I was just trying to help these kids understand this is your decision and this is the fruit of your decision, and paint that picture for them. But lights were coming on for me, and they were turning lights on for me, and that like that was became the foundation of a whole new understanding that's been going on for yeah. fifteen years. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap for this podcast. We look forward to connecting and uh, having another conversation with Kenny Vaughn on the next. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Right Fight Podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, The Right Fight, for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, Audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, You can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.